A new tool from NBAA to help you assess the security risks on your mission, from your departure to your destination and back again. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. One of the most important aspects of business aviation is risk management. We do it in every phase of flight, from scheduling and dispatch to flight planning to the actual flight itself. But just how are you assessing that risk? What factors are you taking into consideration? NBAA now has a wonderful tool to help you with this tremendous task. And here to talk about it are several members of the NBAA Security Council. Greg Kulis is a pilot and security coordinator for an international flight operation based in Columbus, Ohio. John Sullivan is owner and managing partner of the Welsh Sullivan Group. He's coming to us from his headquarters in Frisco, Texas. Bob Posica is founder and CEO of Bensel LLC. He's coming to us from his office in Charlevoix, Michigan. Let's begin with John in Frisco. I think it would be more than fair to say that security concerns have evolved dramatically when it comes to business aviation. John, before we talk about this new risk assessment tool, how are you dealing with one of the most significant in-flight security risks, data security on the aircraft itself? You know, in the past, it's always been locks and alarms. And now in the 21st century here, you know, every day, every six months, uh, you know, you're the IT changes and gets uh, gets uh, more sophisticated, and as it gets more sophisticated, more people have ways to uh, to penetrate your uh, your data. So, uh, you know, when you're in the flight department, you know, you've got a lot of data that you may not realize is very valuable and can be compromised. So you really have to be on top of not only the locks and alarms, but also your uh, your data protection. Well, that makes perfect sense. But John and Bob, there are some challenges in, in actually accomplishing that, yes? Yeah, there are a lot of challenges. When I was global security director, it was a matter of getting people both sides to appreciate you know, uh, what the other teams could do. And then also to integrate the different elements from, from the corporate side, get the IT people to realize that the airplanes were just as important as the, uh, as the machines making all the semiconductors. And let the C-suite know that as well. That they have to spend, they have to spend certain monies to make sure that the airplanes were not only safe to fly, but also had all the safeguards needed to safeguard the business. So it was a really cha- big challenge, and they needed somebody who could actually talk both talk aviation to the C-suite and also talk corporate to the aviation guys. Bob, how are you accomplishing that uh, in in your practice? So echoing what John is saying, I mean, I was fortunate that I managed the flight department plus was chief security officer. So I had both of those buckets and had the accountability uh, for both programs. I think the challenge comes when you not only are dealing with the C-suite, but when you're dealing with other departments, if it's uh, the IT department, uh, even finance and stuff on some of these issues, the IT department tries to do land-based solutions for an aircraft that's, you know, traveling at Mach point, whatever, and at altitude. And it's not the same applications that you can always do. Even the basic thing, uh, such as, does the internet work? 
Well, there's a lot of variables to that. And uh, that includes also where you're at in the globe and what kind of signals you're picking up by the satellites. So it's a continuous challenge to stay on top of these things and to work with the various other departments to ensure you get compliance and, and that you're able to secure that environment for your executives. Well, Greg, that seems to be a great introduction to the concept of the NBAA security matrix. Can you tell me a little bit about the evolution of this? What is it and how did it come into being? For years now, uh, aviation has has used what we call a, a FRAT tool, flight risk assessment, which involves applying factors to each flight and and uh, based on that, <clears throat> defining the risk and deciding what's acceptable. We took that same concept and uh, put it into practice for security. So this risk assessment tool was originally developed by one of our security council members, and then uh, the entire council got involved and refined it. Um, and made it usable for um, the entire industry. We have it posted on the NBAA website under uh, flight operations, and then the drop-down is security tab. What it does is give an operator the ability to go through each one of the factors associated with that flight. They can evaluate security considerations for the airport's departure and destination for the aircraft itself. It involves a matrix that evaluates the country of destination. It, it goes through all of the various factors step-by-step, step. the arrival and departure, fixed base operations, the IT, the ground transportation, the lodging, and um, any aircraft maintenance, information security with scheduling and dispatching. And you can apply a risk factor to each one of those, come up with a total number that tells you what the security risks are for that particular operation. It's an excellent tool, and it calls attention to areas of concern that might otherwise be overlooked. Guys, can we talk about a theoretical flight and apply this uh, matrix as we would in flight? Bob, can you kind of give me a, a walkthrough of this? Yeah, absolutely. And and following up on what Greg said, you know, pilots are are trained to use checklists. And what this document provides for a non-security person, in a sense, but somebody who's accountable for the flight and for ensuring that you're going to have a safe and secure flight for your executives and for the crew and stuff, it provides a checklist that you can follow to be able to mitigate and be aware of what the risks are. So, you know, we've got a couple examples uh, that are in the document, but it's a pre-flight checklist to be able to look at various components of where you're going, who's on board, what's what's the risk at the outbound and at the arrival city, um, what your preparation is for, for the passengers as far as ground transportation, because you got to remember Part of your flight department is part of your executive protection program for your executives. So they're your eyes and ears if you don't have a security person on the flight or on the ground to meet them. So 
it's all these components that that you need to be thinking about being aware pre-flight to ensure that you've kind of dotted the I's, crossed the T's and are aware of it. And it gives you the matrix of pointing out what your risks are, um, what that that capacity is going to be as far as extremely critical, immediate, moderate. Is it unlikely to happen? Is it very likely to happen? And it will give you an awareness of maybe I need to do a little more diligence before we take off because I'm seeing these things unfold as I'm doing the walkthrough on the matrix. John, this is a fascinating document. And the number and breadth of the threats is, you know, even to a guy who's fairly computer savvy, it's a little daunting. What you talk about from the airport all the way to lodging, man, there's a lot of stuff in here. There is. And for the novice who looks at it and says, I can't do this. I mean, this is just too in-depth. It really is not. It's very simple. You may not have all these risks. For instance, if, if you're if you're not flying to, let's say, international destinations, you know, your risk just got cut, almost cut in half. If you're flying to Peoria, Illinois every day, I mean, it's real easy to find out what, what, what's going on in Peoria, Illinois. Your risk can be a lot of things. Your risk could either be someone targeting you. It could be a corporate risk where someone is looking at your corporation to uh, steal some intellectual property. Someone could have a beef against your CEO. And if he's on the airplane, your airplane's, you know, something they're going to go after. Another risk might be if you share a hangar, who are you sharing it with? You could have absolutely no problems with no risk at all. But the guy whose airplane is next to you, he uh, does animal testing and PETA's after him. So you could be collateral damage. So those are the kind of things you've got to take a look at uh, while you're uh, while you're planning your flights and also while you're living in your in your hangar. Greg, you know, I walked into this conversation thinking we're going to be talking a lot about data security. But as I look at the matrix itself, there's a lot more than just trying to secure my company's data here. We're talking people as well. That's correct. And this security matrix uh, covers that. It covers a lot of detail. And what I'd like to point out to anybody looking at this for the first time is we've included some case studies in this matrix so somebody can take a look at it ahead of time and go through those case studies. We've got one for an international destination airport and another one for a domestic airport example. One of the uses that I see for this that is going to be very helpful is someone going through this can have their attention called to something that they may not otherwise consider. You go through one of these case studies or you're going through the matrix and you see, for example, food storage at the destination facility. It's easy to think, you know, that's something we might not have thought of. If we're going to store consumables at a foreign FBO inside of a refrigerator, how are we going to secure it to ensure that there's no tampering? So various items included in here are things that people might not otherwise think of. Uh, so it calls attention to security processes. And I think that's one of the most valuable elements to looking this over and get accustomed, getting accustomed to using it. Talk to me about some of the threats on the international end of this equation. When we look at uh, Appendix 2, which is the Security Risk Assessment Case Study 1, as we've just heard, there are a lot of things that we can be thinking about. Some of them include the political atmosphere of the country where we're visiting. 
No, I, I, you're right. And if you go back one step, you know, when let's say we're going to uh, an international destination, the uh, the company's making sure that the CEO and all the packs are taken care of. They land, they get picked up by a, a vetted limo, they go to a five star hotel. Uh, you know, they're they're watched twenty four seven. The crew gets off the airplane, they jump into Joe's taxi, and they go to the no-tell motel. Okay, so the most important aspect of that flight is the crew. Because if something happens to the crew or something happens to the airplane, everyone's stranded in that country. So the bottom line is the crew has to be taken care of and know the risks as much as taking care of the CEO and all the packs. Well, Greg, that's not only true for international flight, but when I look at the threat matrix for domestic flight, the crew, the possibility of an incapacitated or missing crew member is also a critical issue. It certainly is. And we call attention to that to the extent that we can, particularly as it relates to the ground transportation, because that tends to get neglected when we're talking about the crew. We always like to emphasize that on a corporate aircraft arrival, the people at the destination have a lot of advanced information about that aircraft, the flight crew, where they're staying, how long they're going to be there. So the ground transportation segment is especially important, and we emphasize that in all of our presentations, and that's part of this matrix. Um... As John said, if something bad happens to the crew, be it an accident or a criminal act, um, the company has three immediate considerations. The passenger, they have to take care of the crew. The passengers can't go anywhere, and that aircraft is stranded. So paying special attention to the crew and the crew security is something that we emphasize as we go through this process and we have built that into this this um uh this matrix and um and planning and emphasize it in a way that attention might not otherwise be called to it gentlemen i want to ask bob to talk to me a little bit about uh some of the things in this matrix that might surprise people we've talked about crew members we've talked a little bit about being overseas But, Bob, in the final analysis, what do you find perhaps that might surprise people using this matrix the most here? Well, I think you said it. When you first looked at it, it looked a little daunting and complex, but it's to serve as a checklist. So it's to give you the insight that you don't have to think about everything. If you follow the protocol of what we've laid out in the document, it will help you walk through and think about the various components. Uh, Greg brought up about the handling of food. That's a fairly benign thought for most people. It's like, okay, you're going to get catering. Well, if the catering wasn't, you know, stored at proper temperature in a clean environment, well, you're feeding not only the execs, but you're feeding your crew at altitude. That's maybe something you don't give a lot of thought to, but you could incapacitate your crew mid-flight. They could be getting sick. So being able to Every time thinking in a consistency that here is a formula for the security professional or the non-security professional operating within a flight department environment 
to consistently look at and review and be able to and also document the what, where, when, and why of what could happen pre-flight, during the flight, and post-flight. Um, and I, I think, you know, we've spent a lot of time going through this and trying to make it not burdensome, especially for a single operator plane uh, that's a small flight department versus a large corporate department. And as John said, you know, if it's, you're doing fairly benign domestic flights on a routine basis, it keeps you aware of don't get complacent. That's what I think happens to most people. Well, we go to Peoria once a week. Well, things could happen in between flights that you need to be aware of. So it's a reminder to be aware of your environment and to be thinking about what planning you need to do. Greg, you use this every flight? We have started to, yes. This is relatively new. The Security Council has recently completed it after numerous revisions. So we have in our flight department, uh, we have an internal reference that we call our resource center. This has been added to the resource center and it's part of the pilot's pre-flight planning. So we go through it and evaluate the risks for each flight. And again, this calls attention to things that the crew might not otherwise think of. Well, I, I, uh, if I could just jump in, I think I think you have to make sure that there's a written response plan. There's a written plan. Uh, you know, they have to they have to be committed to it. Also, the corporate C-suite has to be committed to this type of of a, of, of a, a risk assessment. They have to have something in writing in the flight operations manual that says we support this. So that so that the 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 C-suite and the CEO and, and everyone else supports this type of, uh, of, of security arrangement uh, in the flight department so that everyone is on board. And if the threat is assessed high enough, then, John, what? If it's high enough, then uh, you're going to have to maybe, if you're going to go somewhere, maybe you're going to have a third party provide uh, protection. You have to make sure that the flight department works very, very closely with your security department. For a small company that doesn't have a security department, you may have to go out and get a third party to help you. Those are the kind of things you have to look at. Sure, or just don't go, right? Or just don't go. But then again, a lot of times business says we're going. If the CEO says we're going, you're going to have to try to mitigate the risk. So you're going to have to, uh, you know, the flight department is going to have to be the adjunct security department. Yeah. How do you mitigate the risk when once you're there? Bob, final thoughts here. Yeah, Pete, one of the one of the things that uh, I think we all live in is, and we touched on it, this is not just for the security lead within a department or the security department working with a flight department. It, it's a cultural shift that people have to make that this accountability and responsibility is everybody's job. And it goes hand in hand with the safety programs that flight departments institute as well. So it's Changing the culture of, well, that's somebody else's responsibility. We're just flying the plane. It's now thinking about things on the front end. And as you brought up, I mean, there could be a large enough mitigation that someone's going to have to have a conversation with the lead passenger, if it's a CEO or some other executive, of this is the ultimate risk that we're, we're, we're facing to the crew and to you folks do you want to delay the trip? Do you want to, you know, but if they say go, as John said, 
then you got to figure out how you're going to mitigate it with other supporting resources externally or internally. But I think what this whole document, what we wanted to do here is bring it to the forefront of people's thinking and making sure that this is going to be applied on a consistent basis. And I'm just excited that we did this and are being able to provide it out there for the aviation community. It is a remarkably comprehensive document. And Greg Kulis, if I could uh, get you to give me the final word here, how do our members use this? Certainly, it can be used from the NBA website, but it can also be downloaded and put on um, an individual resource center for a specific flight department. So it's there for um, everyone to use. Another thing that we haven't mentioned yet that I'd like to bring up in this is the last part of this document, Appendix 4, has additional resources. There's a lot of valuable resources on there for trip planning. We've been advocating, for example, that people register their international travel with the State Department under the STEP program, the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. That is very valuable should someone overseas need assistance from the U.S. Embassy. It'll also facilitate emails from the embassy being sent to the traveler with any type of security warnings. There are many other points of contact under those resources that are very helpful for trip plannings, and we'll continue to add to that and build on that. That's Security Coordinator Greg Kulis from Columbus, Ohio, along with John Sullivan at the Welsh Sullivan Group and Bob Posica, founder and CEO of Bensel LLC. All are members of the NBAA Security Council. For more information on business aviation security, as well as that new security risk assessment matrix, go to nbaa.org security. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.